0: Morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thanks. Good to see you. I want to do a rewind. However, I want to I want to go back to last Sunday. Tiger uh, Tiger Woods won the Masters last Sunday afternoon. How many of you watched it? Yeah. His fifth win at the Masters, fifth green jacket almost unprecedented, and only one other person has more. Jack Nicholas has six. But the thing about that Masters that was so compelling, that made it so uh, intriguing, was not so much the win, uh, or the, the the fifth win, but the fact that it was perhaps... The biggest comeback story in modern sports history. Tiger Woods is one of those athletes that you know. You may not follow golf, but you know Tiger Woods. He transcends the sport. It's sort of like Michael Jordan transcended basketball. Babe Ruth transcends baseball. The Williams sisters transcend transcend tennis. Tiger Woods is that kind of figure. He so dominated golf for so long that people who don't follow it know who Tiger Woods is. He was at the peak of his game 10, 11 years ago when it all came crashing down and Tiger Woods ended up on his back both literally as well as figuratively. You may remember that all those years ago that stories of his infidelities became public. He went through a very public divorce, a DUI, and then these devastating injuries to his back that required surgery. He literally could not stand on his own two feet, much less hit a golf ball. One commentator said that Tiger Woods' life had become a cautionary tale. And so it was against that backdrop of those ten kind of wilderness years that he came to the masters last week. And it was riveting as he stood on the 18th green about to make that that last putt, the eyes of the nation were on it. Even, like I said, even those who don't follow golf were watching to see if Tiger Woods would win. And when he sunk that putt on the 18th, his arms went up and he just screamed, Yah! And you could just tell that it was freedom for him. All of the mess of the past, all of the brokenness, all of the discouragement, all of the mess that was those 10 years was lifted, and he must have felt free. And as he grabbed his family and hugged each one, people wept. It was It was amazing. And it wasn't just him personally. Everybody around that green felt it too. And they expressed it, not like golf fans normally do, right? Normal golf fan enthusiasm is, well done, well done. Sort of like Methodists in worship. (laughs) You were good this morning but I know we sit quietly. Well done, well done. That was not it. They went crazy. People were screaming, raised hands, jumping up and down, tears coming down their eyes. It was wild. And then just spontaneously began to chant, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Tiger. We love a comeback story, don't we? Because comeback stories remind us that redemption is possible. We love comeback stories because we, we love to know that no matter how hard life has become, no matter how discouraged you might be, no matter how broken you may feel, comebacks, are possible. Easter is the ultimate comeback story. Easter is the ultimate comeback story. The message of Easter is that sin doesn't win, that death has been defeated, and that your best days are not behind you. It's the story of Easter that we celebrate this morning, the message of Easter. And the story of Easter, as you know, it didn't end when Jesus was resurrected. That wasn't the end of the Easter story. That was the beginning of the Easter story. And that story of the defeat of sin and death has played out year after year, decade after decade, millennia after millennia in the lives of billions and billions of people. It is the ultimate comeback story. Here's what I would hope that you would take away this morning. We've been talking all morning so far about freedom, and here's the takeaway. Jesus' comeback equals your freedom. Freedom. Jesus' comeback equals your freedom. So Jesus came bringing a message about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is about. And part of that message that Jesus brought about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is populated by men and women who have had a comeback story. The kingdom of God is populated by men and women who have had a comeback story. Do you have a comeback story? I have a comeback story. So Jesus was talking about comeback stories, about redemption, that redemption is real. Comebacks are real. As you may know, Jesus loved to teach telling stories, parables, And one of the parables that is become, has become kind of an iconic story. It's a story that people who don't go to church, people who wouldn't claim to be Christian, people who have never read the Bible have some sense of. It's called, we call it now, the story of the prodigal son. Now you may have friends who don't go to church. Maybe church is not part of your thing. Maybe you've never read the Bible, but I bet that you've heard about the prodigal son, or you've heard that phrase, the prodigal son. It is literally a comeback story. It's a story of a young man who goes to his father and says, I want my inheritance now. I want the money. uh, I want the money now. And he leaves his father and heads to a far-off country not only leaves his father's home, but he leaves his father's values, his father's teaching, his father's principles, his father's priority. He leaves it all behind and goes to live his life on his own terms and in his own way. And after a period of time, this young man finds himself flat on his back. His life has collapsed around him. He's lost it all. He has no friends, no money, nothing left. Can't even feed himself. And so he makes a decision. He decides that he's going to go back to his father. Not expecting to go back to be a son, but to go back. Maybe his father would accept him as a slave. And Jesus, as he tells the story, says of the father that he sees his son a distance off and runs out to greet him and throws his arms around him and welcomes him home as his son. It's a comeback story. It's a story of redemption. It's what Easter makes possible for us. Sin has been defeated. Jesus' disciples all have a comeback story. The 12 men that followed Jesus throughout his ministry, his earthly ministry, who heard him teach and watched all of the things that he did, came into Jerusalem on that, what we now would call Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And when Jesus was arrested, they fled in fear. And as the trial went on, They denied him. And when he was crucified, they were nowhere to be found. It was the worst time in all of their lives. And they lived under the weight of a failure, brokenness, their own sin, their own confusion, lost. Those three days must have been crushing for them as the reality of the whole thing settled on them. But that wasn't the end of the story for them, was it? Something radical happened that changed everything for those men. What was it? It was the reality of the resurrection that those men who were cowering in corners, afraid of being caught, afraid of being persecuted, afraid of what might happen to them, suddenly became bold because they had experienced the risen Christ. They had experienced forgiveness and new life. And their worst day became a blessing to them and to others. And they literally transformed the world. Of course, the greatest comeback story is the story of Jesus coming back from the grave. Jesus taught for three years, lived on, uh, lived a ministry life for three years, teaching about the kingdom of God, doing life-giving miracles, sharing life-giving messages, And the response that he got was ridicule and rejection and abuse. And ultimately, Jesus ended up flat on his back, laying on a Roman cross, with his hands and his feet impaled upon those beams. And he died. End of story. Or it should have been but we know it wasn't. Jesus conquered death. The one who was dead was raised to life and brought with him forgiveness for our sins and openness to a holy God because he paid the price for our sin. Death was defeated. It is the ultimate comeback story. But it's not just a concept, right? The story is not just a concept, like, oh, it's you know, interesting and it sounds theologically accurate and so forth. It's a life-changing story for people who experience Easter, who experience Christ, who commit their heart and their life to him. You know, as a pastor, I have the privilege of being with people at some of the most difficult times in their lives where they are on their back, figuratively as well as literally. And I get to hear the struggles that they're facing, the hardships that they're facing, the questions that they have, the doubts, the disappointments, the hurts, the brokenness. And somewhere in those conversations, we get to talk about Easter, not literally talking about Easter, but talking about the reality of the resurrected Christ, who wants to make our worst day a blessing, to redeem even your worst day, to make it a blessing for you and for others. And in the course of those conversations, there's always a time of prayer. And what I see happen is a transformation in folks as they offer all of that pain and all of that hardship and all of the mess back to him and experience forgiveness and acceptance and new life. And I can see in their face and in their body language just a transformation beginning to take place. This is powerful stuff. It's not just a concept. It's not just a theological idea. This is real life. So Jesus came to do something to deliver us from sin, but not just from something, but he came so that we might do something. He came to bring us An abundant life, he said. Jesus wants you to have the best of life. It may not mean, you know, material things. It's not that stuff that never lasts anyway. It's the best that life has to offer. The truly good things of life. Hope, joy, peace, love. These are the things that Jesus came to bring to those who follow him. So do you have a comeback story? The word repent literally means to turn and go back. To stop the direction that you're going, to stop and to turn and to go back. It's literally a comeback idea. To repent means to just say, Lord, for the ways that I have lived my life that are far from you, forgive me. I want you to be the one who forgives my sin. I want you to be the one who leads my life. I want that abundant life that you have to offer. There's one last thing I want to share with you on, on this idea. And I want to go back to the 18th green of the Masters last week. As Tiger Woods stood over that last putt, and people were holding their breath, and he made the putt, and he raised his arms, and the people around him began to cheer. The commentator, the announcer, said this, there it is, the return to glory. The return to glory. You see, ultimately, Jesus defeated death. Death doesn't win. When we leave this life, we have the hope and the promise of eternal life. That we who are made in the image of God will stand in God's glory one day. Jesus put it this way. He said when a sinner repents and heads back toward the Father, All of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. Even God loves a comeback story. When you gave your life to Christ, Jesus says, heaven erupted in applause. They shouted your name. One day, there was a day in heaven where all of heaven was going, Jeff, 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 Jeff. They were shouting your name. And if you have never given your life to Christ, there is a celebration waiting for you in heaven where one day you will return to be in the presence, in the glory of God. The return to glory. The ultimate end of the comeback story. The worship team's gonna come back up and, and lead us in a prayer, and as, as they're coming up, just wanna close with this. Jesus' comeback equals your victory, or your, uh, your freedom. Jesus' comeback equals your freedom. Jesus put it this way in John's Gospel If the Son makes you free, You are truly free. If the sun makes you free, you are truly free. It's Easter, friends. You're free.